Hello, welcome to the next episode of Eldritch Girl, and I've got Nita Pan with me, which is exciting. Nita, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, I'm Nita Pan, and I'm a librarian and horror author. Um, my pronouns are she, they, and I write stories based off of dreams, um, my various travel experiences, and fictional tropes. My short story, Life and Death, in From Ashes to Magic, was published late 2019, and I'm currently serializing that on my Patreon, Nita Pan Writes. Um, when I'm not writing, I tend to um, read, listen to music, and just stare at the ceiling contemplating my entire existence. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. <laughs> so you're currently editing an anthology as well, um, which I'm in, which is exciting. <laughs> um, what's your story called that's um, in that anthology? Because you're going to read an excerpt for that for us. Um, yes, it's called The Field Devours, and it's about a flesh-eating cornfield that stalks people. Oh, the pun. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um is a part of the Spooky by Association horror anthology that I've been putting together and that's due to be released this year. Here we go. There is this field in the dark. I can't help it. I go into it. It calls me. It sees me. It has no eyes and it sees me. It, the small man clears his throat, interrupting Lee. It's a sharp grating sound that reminds Lee of nails on a chalkboard. The man shifts in his respective plastic chair, crosses his legs, fabric of his khakis rustles loudly in that cramped library study room sorry mr miss lee flinches as the man struggles to figure out which honorific to use with them lee or dawson is fine with me lee dawson the man rick richard rick lee can't remember his name and is too embarrassed to ask rolls their full name over his tongue lee shivers their name sounds wrong in his mouth the man the recorder pushes his thick framed glasses up his nose with his middle finger. Lee frowns and hooks their boot clad feet around the legs of their chair. Was it on accident or was he flipping them off? If this guy is going to be a dick, they aren't going to stick around. Liar. They shoot at themselves. You've got to tell someone your story about what happened to Eric. Lee thinks about the blood, the field. Someone else has to know about the field. Lee isn't crazy. Lee can't be. The recorder pulls out a cassette the recorder pulls out a cassette recorder from his pocket. Would you, would you repeat your name and opening statement for the recorder? Lee flicks their shaggy dark hair over their shoulder, exposing the teeth indents on their jaw. They tug on the sleeves of their hoodie, one of Eric's hoodies, and th tears threaten to spill. Sure, my name is Lee Dawson, and I'm being hunted by a flesh-eating field. Yeah. That's really, yeah, I love that story it's I've read the whole thing and it's like it's really good it's kind of like um it, I can see like the the kind of the Magnus Archives influence on it as well yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah it's very much like its own thing in the I can't give anything away but I really enjoyed it um what other kinds of influences were there on it well children of the corn was an idea just because originally it was going to be like a group of people in the corn that were making people think that like the corn was eating them, but then that didn't really pan out. So I just stuck with the field itself, eating people. Um, but also just growing up surrounded by numerous cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. It's that that kind of ordinary yeah. gothic idea that <laughs> the, the gothic <laughs> where you live. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah yeah so um who else is in the anthology apart from us <laughs> so we have and i'm apologies if i butcher anyone's names it's been i haven't actually said any of the last names aloud um so there is um, Michelle Tang. Um, she writes On Reflection. Hester Steele, who writes Hitchhiking. Frank Lopez, who writes The Dark Pursuit. Ellie Pino, who writes Hide and Seek. Alice Scott, who writes The Killing of Christian Pacey. L.J. LJ Thomas, who does Gunslingers and Garlic. Joanna Veranda, who writes The Purple Cloak. And yes, and then you and I. Yay, yeah. Um, so that's going to come out um, the end of this year? Yes. I'm excited. It's got such a good range of stories in it. Do you want to say a little bit about the range? Is that giving too much away or like without spoilers? Yes. <laughs> One is about what appears to be a haunted cabin on a cruise ship. Another is it's written in second person and there's just something very strange going on with that, with the main character. We're not entirely sure of where it's going, but it it goes in a very fun direction. One about a bit of an asshole professor who um, is trying to control um, something beyond his control. (laughs) (laughs) There's another one where there's a ghost on a ship. There is an appearance with death. There's a Western vampire short story, and there's an autobiographical um, ghost story, and then there is mine, and then there is the one that gets to close it all up and have it leave everyone thinking about it, is the Eldritch. <laughs> Eldritch. Um... I don't know how to do that. Like, mine's the, I don't know, Eldritch one from the 1930s. Yeah. Eldritch 1930s. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, it's hard to describe mine. <laughs> but it's not, though. But it, it's very weird. Yes. It is very weird. Like weird body horror. <laughs> yes. Um, like Michelle Tang's um, one is really good. That kind of reminded me of Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. Like there's it's those sorts of edges. And I know that uh, she's had a couple of short stories published in different anthologies lately yeah. as well. Um, I think she's in Chimera. Uh, I believe so. And like a couple of other people are, are in different things as well. Like Laura Thomas has got a, a novel out and I'm beta reading another novel that she's written as well, like a YA Bluebeard retelling, which is really cool. Oh, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> it's just really nice. I've just uh, discovered loads of different um, voices. Um, yeah. How does... Um, how does the field of hours map onto your other work? Because you write, um, you you do actually have like a load of different things that you write. And I, I really liked your published short story, Life and Death, which is the dark fantasy, very tragic romance, um, you know, sort of star-crossed immortal gods story that goes in a really dark, tragic direction. <laughs> which I love so much and that's being serialized on your patreon at the moment for people who don't want to buy the anthology <laughs> you can you can just read it for like three pound fifty a month do you feel your work going in a particular direction or do you just write what you feel you want to write about and how does that work for you my writing is actually very seasonal so it really depends on the season and what mood I'm in on what type of genre or content I want to write like overall there's like several tropes like I really am a sucker for enemies to lovers or enemy lovers um found family (laughs) 
villain love interest slash the villains winning. But overall, it really just depends on my mood, on what I'm working on and what type of genre. Like I, I don't write as much YA as I used to, but I do have a couple YA projects that I do want to write. Do you want to finish writing? Which of those? <laughs> well, one is a secret project. Okay. That even you don't get to know. <laughs> okay. Damn it. <laughs> Otherwise I won't end up finishing it. Okay. And the other is a, a murdery werewolf book um, tentatively titled The Legend of Shadow Wolves Forest. Basically exactly werewolves and murder, attempted murder. There's a scene where a character gets like the whole carry at prom thing going on there with like Abbott's Ooh. blood. Yeah, that's a- absolutely delightful. <laughs> that does actually trap. Because, <laughs> like <laughs> you do write, you have started to write like more gore and body horror as and gore-mance. That's a new kind of direction. <laughs> Anyone I think reading Life and Death and then reading some of your most recent stuff is going to kind of have yeah. that experience of whiplash. <laughs> genre whiplash. <laughs> Um, Because we're, well, for anyone who doesn't know, um, we are co-writing a Gormans together, which is Eldritch Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is slated to come out sometime next year. Um, And we're sort of in the first draft of that at the moment. So what do you, um, what do you enjoy about writing Gormans and erotic horror? Mm. I like writing both of them is just because of the lack of any boundaries and being able to combine the whole, like, I firmly believe that romance and horror go hand in hand. And it's just a lot of fun combining the two because they just, they can blend so seamlessly together and it really paints a really pretty, pretty bloody picture. Yeah. like (laughs) Romance and horror work really well together because you've got a lot of tropes in romance that can be quite problematic sometimes in terms of like the dynamics and the relationships between the characters and all you have to do to explore those a little bit more and push them to a kind of more logical conclusion or like interrogate them is to put them into the horror genre like yeah and it's those sorts of um like how do you give somebody agency in a relationship or how do you kind of address Mm -hmm. those sorts of power imbalances and then horror is a really good way of exploring anxieties within romance and like those sorts of tensions as well all of that I mean there's like once when I get into a story there's parts where I'm like okay this comes from a little this is like a little bit deeper and more complex than I start out but when I start out a story it's really I just have the aesthetic of romance and then just blood and gore combined and then from there it gets a little bit more complicated but when I start out it's not like it's not like I have a goal or a mission with a project it's just just write it (laughs) to have fun I think that's really important though if you're not having fun with it like it's it doesn't read as well and it's not like it just doesn't flow as a project if you're not really into Mm -hmm. it yeah so you've got um you're writing in Eldritch Girls you're writing the perspective of Tosh Haraldson who's your original character for that and this is actually based off your idea but I kind of (laughs) was like oh I love this idea please write this with me yes so how does Tosh fit into because he is not a love interest let's be fair no no he's not I mean (laughs) he was but he is I mean (laughs) but he's not 
<laughs> it's I just started with him. It was like he was the first new character that I'd come up with in a really long time. And so I was like just starting from scratch. And I was like, hmm, what can I do for a character? Then I'm like, I'll make the absolute ideal love interest. Just gone terribly wrong. <laughs> That's perfect. And so far he all of his choices reflect that. <laughs> I suppose he's just someone who experienced some family and religious-based trauma, but instead of like taking control of his life, he just continues to blame all of his problems on the trauma instead of trying to heal from it. So consequently, he just has a lot of anger issues, is, yeah, very murderous, like is uh, literally a stab first, ask questions later person. But I would say his only redeeming quality is that he's like absolutely adores Sasha, the other, your character. Yeah, but that's only because he's very into the idea of her killing him. Yes. Horribly, like really <laughs> violently, <laughs> because that's what he's into. It's that whole dynamic is like incredibly toxic. And she's also like not, she's nobody's like ideal love interest, but she's like. <laughs> that kind of princess character who also kills people for fun well not for fun well not for fun but like just because she thinks it's art (laughs) and we love that for her (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's what that's that's what people can expect from eldritch girls um (laughs) just kind of like mild splatterpunk I guess would you say that's fair like yeah I think with what the readers the early readers that we have had it's like people go into it expecting it the events of the first chapter to be like fake and like oh no this isn't really happening you know this is this is too terrible to actually be happening that and then they're like oh nope this is happening this is this isn't (laughs) so people have hope for the characters I think that they're not as terrible as they are and they're very very wrong to have that hope (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so it, it opens with a snuff film audition, um, mm-hmm. which is live. And so you get Sash, you get it from Tosh's perspective, watching Sasha's audition while she's carving somebody up alive who's strapped down to a gurney. Um, and then you get it from Sasha's perspective. And Sasha's perspective is her thinking about the choreography, whereas Tosh's perspective is like, this is really hot. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness, there's so much blood. Um, <laughs> what do you think is your what's your favorite bit of that awful relationship so far that we've written I just like their dynamic he is not the hero she is not a damsel in distress if anything it's the other way around yes <laughs> but he'll go into it thinking that he's not a hero but he doesn't think that he's the damsel in distress he'll go into it not seeing himself that way and then it'll end up in the situation where someone namely Sasha has to get him out of a <laughs> out of a bind this but, is the book you're getting into <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I really like the the transition from snuff films and gangsters to a to a man-eating field I think that's it's really cool. yeah. yeah I wrote I drafted a whole short story edited it like one of the rounds um and then started a couple of other ones in a completely like not completely unrelated genre just more flowery writing just with vampires and just set in a cold setting so you get, you get that great blood on snow aesthetic but yeah then writing Field of Hours was a bit of a whiplash from that too so yeah, so um, the vampire cannibal romance is your Gospel of Blood series yeah. um, idea. Yes. And is that going on Patreon or is that? Um, 
a savior dark which is the um basically vampire jesus and cannibal mary magdalene story that is not going on patreon i i want to quarry that (laughs) i want to try but there are several other short stories in set in the universe mary mother of god with an ex-lesbian joseph and and then there's another one with a, a vampire esther not vampire esther but um magician esther the king that she's forced to marry is a vampire so there's you have a fun dynamic there there's a lot of hate mans going on there i love it i'm planning to put on patreon cool i'm excited for that (laughs) i am a patreon supporter so i'm like (laughs) get access to all of this joy what's your favorite trope to write i know you've said like you have a number of things that always pop up in your work or nearly always i really like writing whether it be platonic or romantic relationships that just really shouldn't be like these two people or these three people or four people should not be around each other like this or interacting like just whether or not whether it's they're like some of them are like bad people or they're just need a lot of therapy and they really shouldn't be interacting with people like the way in the same depth that they are until they get some things sorted out that I just like writing the messy relationships yeah mess is fun to write but it's also quite cathartic to write as well Mm -hmm. like I think that maps onto Eldritch Girls quite well in that whole kind of absolutely disastrous everyone deserves love but not them but they're going to get in anyway because the world's (laughs) fundamentally unfair kind of way I mean you haven't got well there is I suppose that there's the tragic romance between Lee and Eric in Field of Hours so I was going to say not in but you did write a kind of uh, tragic scene in there. I love that you yes, did. Yes, I did. <laughs> Put it in there, just in the <laughs> tragic backstory. What about, like, you've got a lot of different, like, rep in your work as well. And, like, everybody is slightly queer, which I like yes. in some sort of way. <laughs> um, so Lee is non-binary and Tosh is cis but um, bisexual in plainly bisexual very yeah like (laughs) disaster by (laughs) yeah and so what other um kinds of rep do you have in your work in general and like why do you want to tell those stories I think there's maybe like out of all of the work that I've written maybe about five straight characters and everyone else is some shade of queer whether or not it's like super on page or like they're in, you know, obviously queer relationship or not. Um, but I think it's just because I got bored of reading about the same type of like relationships and romances of just the same cis female and male couple where it just, it's the same thing. It just, I mean, not that I don't like to read those or watch those every now and then, but it's like, it sort of got boring after a while. So I'm like, well, I don't have to write that. So <laughs> yeah, it's very liberating. I think when you kind of realize you can write like stories that map more closely to your stories or stories that are more like mm-hmm. things that you actually wanted to read growing up. But yes. yeah, how do you find it like mapping those sorts of things onto the horror genre, like bringing different kinds of rep to that? Like, how does that work for you? I think the biggest worry for me was like the whole killing your gays trope, but I feel like I circumvented that by making everyone gay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that makes it better or not, but that's, that's just what I'm doing. Yeah. But I think that's kind of, it is kind of important 
to have stories that don't revolve around the sexuality of your characters or Mm -hmm. the gender of your characters being the main part of the plot and I think the more stories that we have with people just being allowed to be yeah in different kinds of narratives the better that is in general yeah there is just a lot of like just reading books where it's like you know there's a lot of really good ones coming out um where it's not about like the character's gender or sexuality that's coming out but it's previous to like the last several years there weren't that many that were like bestsellers or well-known that were like coming out it was always in the ones that were coming out and not that these ones aren't okay it's just when you have the only books available are ones where it's like revolving around the character's sexuality or gender and not just them as a person I mean it gets a little bit I don't know it it feels like there's a lot of focus on queer pain which is what a lot of those stories are about and it's like it'd be nice to just have them seen as be seen as people only just doing things on the page and maybe something gets mentioned once or twice like how it's bound to be in a lot of settings and scenarios and where you place the book at but overall it's like why can't people just write queer people as people so I don't know I guess that's just sort of where I came from was just not wanting to focus on the whole aspect of gender and sexuality and more just on them other aspects of them as people yeah and I think that's it's also really important in stories where like you have queer villains because I think growing up like we've had so many queer coded villains queerness as an inherently villainous thing Mm -hmm. um and I think I just but I I found that those are the characters that I was just really drawn to growing up like oh I wonder Um. why (laughs) (laughs) what is it why why is this character so fabulous (laughs) like (laughs) I always definitely like into Scar and Maleficent and those are my really early kind of teeny crushes I guess as like so loved them and it's it's interesting now because I'm kind of worried about I don't know if you feel this as well like writing villains who are queer feels very normal to me and feels very natural to me and feels very like comforting as a thing but again it only works if everybody else is also like so you've got that kind of um, balance yeah because otherwise you're just like I'm always worried about perpetuating negative stereotypes while telling a story that I want to tell kind of like partly my story that I want to tell but I feel more comfortable telling that like certain parts of my story through a villainous character or an anti-villain character or an anti-hero character um, because some parts of stuff or some parts of life are just messy and they are not very nice and it's much easier to interrogate that and to pick that apart through the lens of a character who is not your quintessential hero I don't know I think the balance is really hard to get right but it's it's something that I really enjoy reading as well so I do think with me is that like you I was like it was a lot of the villains that I always would connect to growing up and stuff like that so it's like already I already like the villains and then when a lot of them were just queer coded it's like I like them even more getting as I'm getting older and stuff like that and I'm like oh well might as well just write everyone some shade of villain and just have a good time (laughs) no yeah (laughs) yeah and I think that's also partly because I don't really like what some I don't know how to phrase this like I think sometimes when you're reading books about 
heroes and villains in that kind of clear cut way. Sometimes what the heroes actually stand for, I don't necessarily connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one trope that I really hate is that it turns out that the villain is villainous because they are so alone or they've been so ostracized. And then the response that the hero has to that is to isolate them even more by kind of incarceration or, um, you know, some sort of like, yeah, uh, like, uh, or removing them from their support system of, of hench people or like, you know, yeah. like they're the only people they had. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Um, and I just, I really hate that. Like, as I just, I don't know, I, I just, that's, that's my least favourite trope, I think, um, was that kind of idea that these people kind of are set up as villains in the story and then deserve to be alone forever just because the hero thinks so. And you're supposed to agree with that because you're supposed to connect with the hero and there is no other rationale. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I yeah. That one annoys me a lot. And the one where they always this is very, very basic, but it's the one where they always create this amazing tension between the hero and the villain and completely set it up. I mean, even though you know that most authors, or at least authors that have been that are wide widely published, don't go for it. But where it's just like you could have this perfect whether or not it be like the hero descending into villainy or both of them having their own separate goals but still like romancing each other like I just really want to have a villain and main character as endgame I just want more of that (laughs) I think it happens more in like dark adult fantasy yeah I think that's where again like horromance can really like come into its own with those sorts of blending of and problematizing and and complicating things no yeah I agree with that um with horror there's just a lot more freedom to create the messy relationships like the really messy ones and like explore the different dynamics with that and like horror I guess um allows you to see the outcome of that even if the outcome is horrific, because that's kind of the point of the genre is to mm-hmm. horrify you or to have an effect on the reader that is not necessarily an, a positive effect. I think that's, I think we get a, a lot of the same things out of writing that, like mm-hmm. I would say definitely like Tosh and Sasha's relationship is is not a positive example of a romance. No, it's not. Not at all. Not not remotely. But it does happen and it is there. And it's like, God, I hope there aren't people like them, but there are people like them (laughs) who have relationships. Yes. Oh God. It's it's a lot of fun to write the dialogue and like the because we co-wrote dialogue together. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, it's really fun like just lurking in the in the shared dock and like (laughs) filling in my lines and then you filling in your lines when it's my turn and like it just works so well (laughs) it's a lot of fun oh I miss it yeah we'll get back to it it's um (laughs) but we've both been doing other stuff haven't we so I mean you've I mean obviously you like the the spooky by association anthology 
mm-hmm. something that um, has taken up a lot of your time and um, putting that together and yeah sorting all of the the editing out and getting cover artists and potential illustrators and fingers crossed <laughs> I'm so excited and it's such a lovely group of stories as well and I, mm-hmm. I don't think there is anything very kind of extreme and splatterpunky in there no there isn't but that's sort of but it's like you can each person's voice is very clear yeah that's really nice like so anyone else who like who reads it and then wants to find more stuff by whatever of the authors it's like you get a very clear picture of their voice and I and I believe content too of what they write. Yeah, definitely. I think um, like because we've all been reading the doc as a whole and like line editing our stuff and each other's stuff before it goes off to the editor, which is really lovely actually because it's become like a really nice community mm-hmm. project, which I really like. So thank you for doing that. That's That's been really yeah. Been such a really fun project to be part of. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been it's been lovely to kind of put that together and get a sense of um, different people's styles. And I I think I found like quite a lot of authors that I haven't read anything by before. Yeah, but I think with with the field of hours as well, it's um it's a slightly different voice for you. It's because part of it's in first person. Yeah. I used to write a lot of first person, like all I used to write was first person. And I wrote probably 400,000 words in first person of various projects over the years. And then I switched over to third person past tense. And that was a little bit of a different voice. So it's, it's fun because the field of ours is written in both third person and first person. So it's a very interesting combination just to see how my voice changes a little bit with each new section. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, reading your Patreon posts as well, you can see the variation in your voice, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And like, because um, I read uh, Life and Death and that was where, and I'd, I'd kind of read a little bit of your stuff before, um, like some of your unpublished stuff. And that had been like third person, like close third person perspective. And then I read Life and Death, which is free verse um, set out it, very differently to your prose and it's first person and it was such a change but it was such a good change and it was like it really showed how much range you have as an author and like that was the story that was like really gelled with your like philosophy I guess like the tragic philosophy of it and I kind of went yeah I actually think I really want to write something with this person like Aww. that was yeah that was that was kind of um my instrumental moment in being like if I ever get a chance to write something with you like I definitely (laughs) am going to take that I really enjoyed it and so as I said like that's being serialized on your Patreon Mm -hmm. and um, see that and I really enjoy like experiencing your other work through your Patreon as well so there's like poems and other short stories and you've got two in the second person yes one is yeah both of them are in second person but they're like second person where instead of like you're going over here and you're doing this it's like sort of like a letter like it's directed to another character in the story what's your next story through the patreon oh oh lord i have two no i have three that i'm trying to debate which is going to be my next project for it and i'm gonna um decide within the next couple of days and just finish it edit it but Either one of them is going to be one of the ones from the um, Gospel of Blood universe, the Elder Scrolls prequel. Um, 
or it's basically um, a demon and a witch are getting traced across the nine circles of hell trying to get back to the mortal world. That's quite smutty, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping I can finally make it 20 years. Yeah, so if you want to get in on this, um, go to patreon.com forward slash Nita Pan writes. And um, yeah, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Content warnings abound, but yeah. you will not be, hopefully you will not be disappointed. And it's super cheap as well, guys. It's super cheap. Like your top tier is what? Like $4.50. $4. Yeah. The top tier is $4.50. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like £3.50 in, in British pounds. Worth it. But yeah, thank you ever so much um, yes. for coming on. And um, it's been really lovely to have you. Yes, thank you for having me in my ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> Very welcome. We're rambling with you uh, later. <laughs> um, that's all we've got time for. Thank you for listening. Um, on Thursday, we've got the next instalment of The Crows to listen to. Um, so stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe. And we'll see you on Thursday. Bye now.